the gospel according to Matthew, 17th chapter, first verse reads as follows. <clears throat> Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and his brother John, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, for one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the visit until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen. Uh, for the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about the tipping point. The tipping point. I uh, fancy myself a student of business. I figure I ought to be because... I have two degrees in this subject. Um, but in business and in other subjects, there, uh, 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 such as history, uh, sociology, there is something that is called the tipping point. The tipping point or a tipping point is defined as a point which a small, uh, a point which a series of small changes or incidents become significant enough to cause a larger, more important change. When water is heated to 99 degrees Fahrenheit, oftentimes you cannot tell it's 99 degrees. But when you add that one extra degree of heat, the water boils and you start to see the bubbles rise and see you can, boiling water looks a lot different than non-boiling water. That single degree of heat could be considered the tipping point. In history, uh, the Battle of Britain in World War II is considered a tipping point. It was a major campaign. It was fought entirely by Air Force. Germany had this theory that the bombers could always make it through. And so during World War II, when Germany wanted to take over a country, they would send air forces in to fight, and then they would drop bombs on the country until they surrendered trying to weaken their defenses, and they figured if we couldn't take out military points, we would take out civilians. But sooner or later, you're going to back down with our bombs. The Battle of Britain was a major defeat for Germany, and it showed that they were vulnerable. They could not get through the air defenses of Britain. Germany could not. And they could not bomb the targets they wanted, and they could not bomb the civilians that they wanted. Matter of fact, the meme that we see right now, and for those who aren't really into uh, 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 internet culture, a meme is a funny joke that has to do with a picture. And so some sort of 
event that goes on, they take a picture to capture that event and then make jokes about it. Uh, for example, there's a joke, a meme about Floyd Mayweather, where he looks like the guy from the Dos Equis commercial, and he says, you know, I don't always win. Uh, never mind, I actually do. And, and that's the joke, because Floyd Mayweather is undefeated. Um, during World War II, there were posters that were put up that said, uh, keep calm and carry on. So while the bombs were going around, it said, keep calm and carry on. So they put these posters up, and that was a rallying point behind, behind the, the British people during the World War II. And there's a meme of that now where they say, uh, I've actually made a poster for my day job. Uh, it says, keep calm and stop pushing inputs. Uh, I work in the IT department, and uh, people tend to push a bunch of buttons before they actually call me for help. And so things are really broken by the time I get there. And they wouldn't be as broken if they kept calm and stopped pushing all these buttons. Um, one of my coworkers, whose office is right across the hall from mine, his is keep calm and call the help desk. It's a meme. And so this meme was part of what happened because this meme was a reference to an actual historical point. And the people kept calm even though they were being bombed and Britain was able to defeat the Germans. And that was a tipping point. There are uh, several shows that have uh, been uh, canceled and come back. They got canceled and the, the reruns would air on a uh, either a cable station or in syndication and so many people would watch the reruns of these television shows uh, a couple that come to mind immediately are Family Guy and Futurama and JAG uh, Judge Advocate General which was a sort of a, a lawyer show but only with the military so many people watched it watched the reruns that uh, they had to put the show back on network TV because it got so popular but all those people watching it that was a tipping point. Uh, a tipping point uh, that I'm reminded of as well. I cannot recall his name, but he is the creator of an app that is called WhatsApp. This young man, when he graduated from school, decided that he wanted to be a programmer. He applied for this company called Facebook, and they rejected him. That was a tipping point. So he decided to get some good people around him, start his own app, make his, start his own company and make an app that was able to come up with an instant messaging system that did not use your text messages. If you uh, had this app, you could text a friend that was also on a cell phone and you wouldn't have to uh, spend a, burn a text message to text them. You just had to burn one text message for confirmation and then it opened up this communication portal where you could text for free basically. So this young man who got fired, well not fired, got rejected and turned away from Facebook, started a company. It's a tipping point. Do you know that last week Facebook bought this company for 19 billion dollars? <laughs> tipping point. A tipping point is when something happens and it, it leads on to greater things. It may not seem like it at the time, but 
it's a small little thing. Some people could have taken getting fired and are not making getting the job that they wanted and been dejected and not done what they needed to do. But he used that as a that small event to get him over the hump to do what he needed to do. And now he could buy a country if he wanted to. Tipping point. And I bring up tipping point because the transfiguration is a tipping point. It's an event that happens out of other events, but it gets us headed towards the passion of our Lord and Savior. This transfiguration is a tipping point that sets us towards things to come. The uh, gospel according to Matthew, often called the gospel of the church, because it's more favorable to the church of all three uh, synoptic gospels, um, is... uh, it's a lot more favorable in this church. In, in, in the gospel, according to Matthew, the, the disciples get it. They understand what he says. Uh, there are only two times in the Bible Jesus explicitly talks about the church. They're both in Matthew. Um, Matthew is where we find Jesus fulfilling all of the Hebrew prophecies in the scripture. Uh, that is why we also hear about the transfiguration of Jesus. It's Also in all three synoptic gospels, and by synoptic gospels I mean uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, just a little seminary term we use because those three sort of parallel the stories. John is where we get the Christology or Jesus being the Christ, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. So some of our doctrine comes from the gospel according to John, but when we want to learn about what Jesus did, we go to the synoptic gospels. If we want to learn about what Jesus said, We go to John. Uh, But it happens in all three. It's in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, which we read in your hearing. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. And Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36 all have this event. It's also referred to in the New Testament scripture that we read in our hearing. uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, about 1 through 18 covers the... the, uh, the uh, primarily 16 and 18 covers that it's a turning point the transfiguration and we call this in the Methodist Church Transfiguration Sunday so anybody who is preaching the lectionary is on this scripture today uh, some of them even make a, a, a larger event out of it and have a, a special call to worship and a special reading of certain scriptures The text says that Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John up the mountain. Now, Jesus was a man of the people. Sometimes Jesus was with the twelve. Sometimes he was with the multitude. Sometimes he was with the seventy. But then sometimes he was just with Peter, James, and John. Yes, we ought to be Christians in community. But even Jesus got away from time to time with his inner circle. He's not here with the 12. He's not here with the multitude. He's not here with the 70. It's Peter, James, and John. Gospel of Mark covers that a lot. But here's the first time we're going to see it in Matthew. Uh, Who we are and who we keep close to us is important. It, It affects us. You know, there are plenty of motivational speakers and sociologists and psychologists that truly believe we are the average of our five closest friends. 
who we hang around with determines who we talk about, what kind of goals we accomplish, what all we want to do. Who our five closest friends are, who we spend the most time with, usually determines what kind of person we're going to be. Which is why I would like to start spending some more time with my good friends, Bill Gates, Bob Johnson, our nation's president, Barack Obama, Michael Jordan, and Warren Buffett. I mean, if you're, if you're going to be the, the, uh, the average of the five people you hang around with, <laughs> who we spend our time with is important and what we spend our time on is important as well and we notice that Peter, James and John also became very instrumental in founding the church and spreading the word of God amongst the nations after Jesus uh, went on back to heaven and they were here at this tipping point the term transfigured, where it says in the text that Jesus was transfigured, literally means metamorphosed in the Greek. And we use metamorphosis often. We, uh, we use it to describe a change. Uh, there are plenty of organization, or organisms rather that go through a metamorphosis of sorts. In their respective life cycles, tadpoles become frogs, and uh, some fish are able to live in salt water at one point and transfer over to, uh, to fresh water. Uh, there are caterpillars that become butterflies. Uh, the thing about metamorphosis, though, is, you know, in our mind, we can tend to think that it is the same organis organism that is just added something to it but when you really get down to it when those things are going through metamorphosis there are parts of them that actually die you know we see the caterpillar climb into the cocoon and, and come out as, as, as a butterfly and you know at one point one might think that oh it just grew wings no it literally almost died all of what was caterpillar like about it had to melt away it had to fall off. It had to go before it could become the butterfly. And so the change is not just deciding to do something different. There are parts of you, almost the entire part of you, that has to die. The same thing is true with our walk with Christ. In order to get some real change, we can't just decide we don't like something anymore. We can't just say that we're different. Parts of us have to die. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17, from now on, therefore, we regard from a human, no one regard from a human point of view. For though we once knew Christ in a human point of view, we know him no longer that way. For if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Jesus was changed when he was transfigured and the radiance shined like the sun in his face. It was dazzling white. This metamorphosis was not just adding something on to what you already had. When we need to change, we have to let some things go. The text shows Jesus with Moses and Elijah. That's important because Matthew thought about who was going to be hearing this, who was going to be reading this, and said that it's the gospel of the church. And, you know, Mark kind of gets straight to the point. Mark talks in bullet points and 
Luke kind of talks about the physical, but Matthew understood that the people that were going to be hearing this were going to be a little more organized, a little more learned. They're going to know a little something about the Jewish prophecies, and they were going to be looking for Jesus to fulfill them. So he's here with Moses and Elijah to let you know that Jesus is not only in, in line with the prophets, but he is the fulfillment of the prophets. Notice I said fulfillment and not doing away. Fulfillment. He came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And just like the prophets, Jesus is someone who's going to be rejected originally and vindicated by God. Moses and Elijah worked miracles, but Moses and Elijah were also rejected by their own people. Jesus is a stone who the builders rejected. And he's becoming the chief cornerstone. When you have a cornerstone, that is the most important stone of a building. It's usually put in last, and they usually have a great ceremony about what they're going to put into the cornerstone. And they make a big deal out of putting it in because the cornerstone is the most important. And that's Jesus being rejected originally and now becoming the chief stone of the corner or the chief cornerstone. So Matthew is about tying up loose ends. He's showing you here is another prophet, but not only is this another prophet, this is the greatest of the prophets. This is the Messiah. He's fulfilling the prophecy. That's the loose ends that Matthew is trying to tie up. And then it says in the text that a voice came down from the cloud and said, this is my son, beloved. This is my son, the beloved, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Amen. Where have I heard that before? Let's uh, turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 verse 17 is when Jesus is getting baptized. And it says, let's go to let's go to 16. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice said from the heaven, "This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased." Those are sort of bookends to the preparation of Jesus' passion. Uh, some people would often say that the way you start with somebody is the way you finish. That, that may have also been in that, that line of thinking why Jesus was uh, rejected because they thought nothing good could come from Galilee. This is the same little, same little boy. He can't possibly be the son of God. He's from a bad town. But it's bookends to let us know that's what's going on. Matthew is about tying up loose ends. Matthew likes to unpack the story of Jesus a little more than St. Mark does. Matthew likes to tell this story, and he's telling the story of Jesus to those who knew a little bit about it and who, who might remember this. So the Moses and the Elijah and the God coming down to speak on, he's thinking about the people, the church. You know, Mark is talking to people who may not have heard of uh, any kind of organized religion before, so they don't, they don't need much. You can tell them that Jesus 
is the son of God and he's our savior and they'll get that. The folks reading Matthew might want to know, well, who is daddy? Who is daddy, daddy? Who is that? So that's where we get these 42 generations from. He's tying up the ends. That's why we get all of these prophecies. That's why, because they need a little more before they understand. Matthew unpacks it a little bit. But by doing that, he's able to speak to their souls, the reader's souls with this. Maybe you didn't hear it the first time when he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and this is my beloved. So let me tell you again, you know, something that has often opened my eyes about reading scripture and allowed me to read it a different way is, you know, when we read this, we already know that Jesus is the son of God. We already know that he's here to save the world. We already know that he's here to die for our sins and get up. But while this is going on, a lot of stuff had to happen multiple times because the people who were in it may not have gotten it that way. They, they don't have 2,000 years of history to look back on. This is right there in their face. So they might need to hear it more than once before they understand. And sometimes hearing it more than once is that tipping point. Jesus is the son of God and we already know this during our time but during the scripture even the disciples the giants of our faith they're still learning and I like that while they are still learning they are caught up in the glory of God they are overcome with fear the text says but even though they are overcome with fear and this is personally why I like being a Christian it says Jesus came to them Jesus came to them. There wasn't a something where they needed to be told to do a bunch of things to get on God's level before God would give them the time of day. No, in their fear, in their overcomeness, in their being overcome in this moment, Jesus came to them. And if Jesus can come to them, I think that it is okay to think that Jesus might come to me. Who am I that he is mindful of me? Who am I that he would be willing to come out to touch me? And that I can form a relationship with him. Who am I that Jesus thinks that much of me? I don't deserve it. But he did just for me. And he did it just for everyone. We serve a God a risen savior that is willing to come to us. And I like that. Everybody's God does not come to them. Everybody's God is not willing to formulate a relationship with them. Nor are you able to reform a relationship with them. But Jesus can come to us. And so after the transfiguration, after spending his time with Peter, James, and John, after seeing Moses and Elijah, after having this vision of God, they come down from the mountain. And Jesus told them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This was a major event 
but it was a tipping point. It was not the major event. It was one that was able to tip things forward. For as they came down from the mountain, Jesus knew what he now had to do. He knew that he had to be wounded for our transgressions. He knew that was coming. He knew that he had to be bruised for our iniquities. He knew that the chastisement of our peace was going to be upon him. But he also knew that by his stripes, we would be healed. He knew that was coming. The transfiguration set that in motion. He knew that he was going to have to be whipped all night long. He knew that he was going to have to be whipped with a cat of nine tails and have a crown of thorns put upon him. He knew that he was going to be mocked. He knew that he was going to have to get gall for food and vinegar for drink and that they were going to cast lots or gamble over his clothes. He knew that he was going to have to carry a cross to Golgotha, also known as the place of the skull or Calvary. He knew this. He knew that he was going to have to get on that cross, but not just him. Our sins were going to have to get on that cross. He knew that he had to die. He knew that he had to die, but more importantly, he knew that he had to get up. Because once he got up, he had conquered death, hell, and the grave. He knew that once he got up, he got up with all power in his hand. And he knew that once he got up, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.